Hello San Pedro podcast, episode 81.
My favorite memories of Romy are our food dates and meaningful conversations, in particular when we collaborated on the Parks and Sandwiches articles. I honor Romy's memory by continuing to share what this town has to offer and what makes it unique. Most importantly, as things change around town, I will continue to highlight what makes San Pedro cozy. My name is Carla Muldoon, and I met Angela in the Harbor College Theater Program. At that time, I never dreamed that she would become such a huge part of our lives. Angela became part of our family, joining us for holidays and other celebrations. I remember one time for her birthday, she agreed to do a private presentation on films made in San Pedro. We met at Off the Vine. We drank wine and enjoyed a memorable evening that Angela had prepared for us. Her love of the history, of history, especially San Pedro, was amazing. I will forever miss our walks and talks around town. There's a void that will never be filled. I will honor Angela by supporting the museum she started in any way that I can to help keep her legacy alive. This is Casey Muldoon, and I had the pleasure of calling Angela Romero my friend for the past 20 years. We met during Harbor College's production of Responsibility. She and my sister Caitlin were cast as nuns, which is hilarious. And from then on, she became a member of our family. I always told her I never understood how she can stand us since my sister and I were both teenagers when we all met. Teenagers are the worst. Luckily for us, she ignored that fact. Angela was family, simply put. She brought such a funny and creative energy to our home that couldn't be beat. Even with simple things like birthday gifts or text messages, she would use humor to create something truly memorable. She was always a tough act to follow in that respect. Favorite memory of Angela, and that is a really hard question. I've been racking my mind about that since she passed there's just so many memories one that comes to mind was when she was at my mom's house and we offered her mint chocolate chip ice cream for dessert and without skipping a beat she replied that is an abomination and that was the thing I loved most about Angela I think and that's I never knew what that bee was going to say next. I still find myself scrolling old text messages from her whenever I need a laugh. I really miss her. Angela told us all she wanted was for people to care about San Pedro. To honor her memory, that is what I intend to do. It won't be the same because for me, Pedro was Angela. She was a wealth of knowledge and a huge loss to this community. But I can do my part by exploring all the wonderful things this town has to offer. And I hope others will do the same. Hi, my name is Caitlin Muldoon, and I was one of Angela's friends, fans, etc. Angela to me was more than just a friend. She was like a sister. We spent almost every holiday together. 
She would pop in whenever just to say hi, and we would obsess over otters, Gilmore Girls, and reminiscing of our quote-unquote wilder days, aka theater days. Over the, over the years, Angela became more like family to us. There wasn't a happy occasion, event, or if there was drama, usually mine, that we didn't call her. Angela came into my life when I was an obnoxious teen, and we were in a play at Harbor College together. That was a tough year for our family, and it's like she was meant to come into our life at that time for a reason. And having her as a part of our family for 20 years just wasn't long enough. There are just so many memories and moments that I think of daily. And, but I think of one of my favorites was Thanksgiving of 2019. She was at the house when we announced to our parents that my boyfriend and I were pregnant. You know, 15 minutes before everyone else was showing up. And we said to everyone that they had to keep it a secret. <laughs> the look on her face was priceless. Like, she shouldn't have been in the room, but she also wasn't leaving. <laughs> the look was classic Angela. I know the universe made sure she was there for that moment, just so she can make fun of me about it later. <laughs> I will honor her memory by continuing to explore more of San Pedro's hidden gems be a part of the museum that she created in that brilliant mind of hers in any way possible. Send Henry Cavill pics, as we often did, but now <laughs> to my sister Casey and to my boyfriend Anthony. They'll have to deal with it. And I'll tell my daughter, Finn, about all the stories, memories, and amazing things her Auntie Angela accomplished and how much she was loved and how Angela will be lightly haunting all of us. Hello, my name is Emily and I'm Angela's youngest sister. I would say our upbringing was pretty unique. I'm the youngest of four siblings and Angela was the oldest. I was actually born her senior year of high school. Growing up, there was a pretty big age gap between me and my older siblings, but Angela's relationship with me was the only one that felt like a sibling relationship rather than a parent-child relationship. She would do so many fun things with me, and she actually took me to my first concert, which was Hannah Montana and the Cheetah Girls, and she would also drive me all around town whenever there was someone cool filming in San Pedro, and when I was in middle school, she actually pulled me out of school so that I could go see the Jonas Brothers filming their show uh, at Cabrillo Beach. Um, that was probably one of my favorite memories with her. <laughs> Um, other than that, when I was younger, she had a group of friends, and their friend group was called the Forks, and I remember I wanted to be in the Forks so bad, um, so what Angie, Angie actually did was she created something called the Stars for me to join, uh, so she always made me feel like I was included, and she was just such a great older sister, um, I was really lucky to have her, and... I think one major life event that really shifted our relationship was when my mother passed away. Um, I was only 14 years old, and my dad was pretty hands-off um, with his parenting. So Angela actually stepped into my mother's role, and she dealt with me through my teenage rebellion years, and she would pick me up from school and 
drop me off at parties and ground me when I snuck out <laughs> at night. Um, another thing that we also really loved to do together um, when I was younger was seeing the lyrics to Barbie Girl by Aqua. And I would always sing Barbie's parts and she would, of course, sing Ken's parts because I wanted to be Barbie. So she let me have that. Um, she just did so many cool things with me. And I remember one time she was interviewing Pharrell's choreographer, uh, who was actually from San Pedro as well. And I got to go on set uh, for him filming his Marilyn Monroe music video. So that was pretty cool as well. Um, her personality was always really quirky and super funny. <laughs> I definitely got my sense of humor for, from her. Um, her favorite comedian was Sarah Silverman. And of course, that meant I love Sarah Silverman because I wanted to do everything that Angie did. And she took me to go see one of Sarah Silverman's stand-up shows one time. And I got to uh, actually talk to her, and that was really exciting. Um, another really funny moment was when I left on a plane uh, to go to youth and government. And I was at one terminal, and my sister was at another terminal. And um, she ran into another comedian uh, named Joe Coy. And I was obsessed with Joe, Joe Coy at the time. I was in... I think I was in middle school actually um and so we had just split up we gone to, we went to different terminals and I'm getting a call from her and I'm like why is she calling me I just saw her um so it was really funny because I answered the phone and it's a guy and I'm like what the heck who is this and then he's like hi Emily this is Joe Coy and I'm like what <laughs> and she actually ran up to him stopped him and asked him to call me because I was such a big fan of his. Um, <laughs> and she had nothing else on her but a Wired magazine um, that had Justin Bieber on the cover. And she's like, I don't have anything else for you to sign, but can you sign this magazine of Justin Bieber? Uh, so she got me an autographed uh, magazine from Joe Coy on a picture of Justin Bieber. And she just went above and beyond for anything that I loved. Um, another thing was I always wanted a pink iPod and I never thought that I was going to get it because um, my parents always told me no. But one Christmas, um, I accidentally went into the room where my iPod was and I didn't know it <laughs> and it was sitting out, but I didn't see it. And I remember my sister got so mad because she thought I saw it and she thought that I ruined the surprise. But <laughs> I actually had to tell her um, right before she passed away. I was like, I never saw it. <laughs> um, but I remember she got really mad because uh, I ruined the surprise and, and she knew how much um, that meant to me to, to get one of the first uh, pink iPod Nanos right when it came out. Um, I think those are probably all my favorite memories with her, just that come to mind right now, but I'm sure there's so many more. Um, we used to love watching Veronica Mars growing up. That was also one of our favorite shows. Um, I took her to see Wicked uh, for her birthday one year because that was one of our favorite musicals that we liked to watch together. 
she had a really big impact on my life. Uh, she definitely shaped me into the person that I am today. And I've learned all my most important life lessons from her. And she was always someone that I could go to for advice um, without any fear. And a lot of the things that she told me, I still, to this day, uh, think about, you know, during certain situations. I'm like, man, Angie was right. <laughs> so that was uh, always a really great thing to to carry with me was just her wise words of wisdom. I think that what I've admired most about my sister um, was just her passion and curiosity that led her to become the hometown celebrity that she was. Um, I really hope that no one forgets about all the work that she did for this town and just piecing the puzzles together for its history. I definitely don't think there was anyone in San Pedro who was as passionate for the town as she was. Um, and she never stopped. That's literally what drove her every waking day was just, you know, okay, what's next? Okay, now I know, I know this. What else can I find out? And she was like an encyclopedia <laughs> of San Pedro. So I really hope that legacy lives on and that she's up there with other San Pedro um, celebrities like John O'Gain. And I think it would be really cool to have something named after her someday as well. Um, maybe a campus, maybe a street. I just feel like she did so much for the town and she really deserves to, to have her name preserved um, somewhere in it. So... I would love to see that happen for her. Um, that's probably one of <laughs> one of my dreams, and um, hopefully something comes out of it. Um, I think if anyone deserves it, it's definitely her. She just dedicated, you know, the second half of her life to San Pedro and the town, and making sure that you know the heart of San Pedro wasn't lost. And now that I'm saying it, I feel like my sister was the heart of San Pedro. And I just hope that because she's gone now, that the hard work and the legacy that she created uh, doesn't get lost. And I know there are a lot of really great people um, who are taking over the Heritage Museum for her that are going to make sure that that doesn't happen. So towards the end with my sister... She struggled with cancer, I'm sure as many of you know, and we always thought that she was going to beat it. There was always some doubts where, you know, with any diagnosis, when it was early, we thought that, you know, there was a chance that she was going to get through it. And one of the things that I really wanted to do for her um, after she would have beaten it was... Um, taken her to Paris because it's my favorite city in the world. My sister Regina actually used to live there. And for the last year or two, um, Angela had actually been studying French and became pretty darn fluent in it. <laughs> so something that I really, really wanted to do for her was 
take her to Paris and I wanted to go with our other sister and my niece Brooke um, just because I thought that would have been such a special experience to have and unfortunately um, she didn't beat the cancer and so what we're going to do for her birthday um, which is September 16th is we're actually going to go to Paris in her honor and scatter the remaining ashes um, that we have of hers. So even though she's not with us mentally, um, she technically is with us physically. And so even though she didn't beat it, um, we're still going to go together as sisters. I think that the bond that the three of us shared was really, really extraordinary. And down to the very end, um, I think that was a testament to how close we were and how much we loved each other and how we would literally do anything for each other. Um, we were like glue. <laughs> we all stuck together and we always had each other's back. Um, so I'm really excited for this trip and I think it's going to be a really great way to honor her. Um, <laughs> The funniest thing that she said to me uh, was when I told her about this trip. You know, most people would be like, wow, that's really sweet. And she was like, you guys are going to go to Paris without me. <laughs> so she always had just like a really funny sense of humor and always made me laugh. And it was always, we would turn things into jokes and they may not have been the most appropriate jokes. Um... We like to be uh, very cheeky with each other. <laughs> so I'm excited. And I thank you guys all for taking interest in my sister's life and being a part of her story. Um, I just hope that this podcast and everything else just brings awareness to all of the service that she did to the town. And I hope that her legacy and her memory live on. Thank you so much. My name is Regina Ritter. I'm Angela Romero's sister. I would say our upbringing is very much like your typical San Pedrin. My sister and I are fourth generation San Pedrins, so San Pedro is all we ever knew. My parents are Catholic, so we grew up going to Catholic church every Sunday. My dad was an immigrant from Mexico. He came over when he was 18 and my mom got pregnant, um, I think while she was still in high school. So she didn't get to go to college really. And so we grew up in a working class family where both of my parents worked very hard and worked a lot. But even though you know we didn't have a lot of money, we grew up on First and Pacific in a small two-bedroom, one-bathroom house that my dad still owns as a family of five. So obviously it was very cramped in there. But even though we didn't grow up with a lot of money, we never felt like we were missing out or like we were poor. And I think our parents did a, a really good job of getting us involved in a lot of things we were always doing activity after activity where our lives still felt like full, like we were, like we were blessed, um, not like we were missing out on anything. 
family life for us was definitely really busy. When I look back on my childhood, I feel like we were always doing something, which is interesting now that I think about it because we really didn't have a lot of money, but thankfully my mom loved taking pictures, so we have a ton of pictures, and we have a lot of pictures of us at Disneyland, at Universal Studios, at the LA Zoo, uh, wherever it was, and in a lot of those pictures, Angela and I are often dressed the same for whatever reason, even though we're almost three years apart. My mom liked to dress us the same, um, which is kind of funny because now I, I do that with my sons who are two years apart. But yeah, we had we were always involved in something, and I, I definitely credit my mom with that. I think she did a great job, and a lot of the times it was just her by herself because my dad worked a lot. He worked, he started work, you know, around one in the afternoon and he wouldn't be home until very late at night and he would work sometimes six days a week. And so a lot of the activities, my mom would have to take the three of us kids at the time. Most of us, most of our lives was the three of us kids. My little sister came much later when I was 15 and when Angela was 18. But a lot of the time it was my mom just taking us around, driving us around to everything. Honestly, she exposed us to pretty much any activity and interest and hobby that she could, I think, to keep us busy, but also to find out what we enjoyed. We did several kinds of dancing. We did ballet folklorico dancing for a long time. We did tap dancing we did a few different sports. We played softball at Bobby Sox. We played AYSO soccer. My sister played volleyball. We played golf. Um, pretty much every sport imaginable at some point. We also did musical instruments. We took piano lessons. We took accordion lessons. Uh, my sister played the flute growing up. We went to... Peck Park pool every summer, almost every day doing something, whether it was synchronized swimming or junior lifeguards or just going to go swimming, which by the way, I don't think we wore sunblock because I just remember every summer I would be like 10 shades darker. But I think my mom's idea was to just keep us busy so that one, we never had a chance to to feel like we were missing out or see that we were missing out on something, but also to keep us from getting into trouble and find things that we enjoyed so that we weren't running around with the wrong crowd. My relationship with Angela was always very close, and I think that was by default, really, because for so long, it was a three of us siblings. So Angela was almost three years older than me. My brother, JR, was three years younger than me. And then our sister, Emily, didn't come until 15 years later for me. So for the longest time, it was the three of us. And for most of our lives, Angela and I were always doing some activity together. So whether it was dancing together or sports together or swimming together or music lessons or whatever it was, we were always doing the same things. So we kind of had no choice but to be close. 
When we went to school, though, it was a little different. I think Angela was always a better student than I was, um, mostly behaviorally. I wasn't the the best student for behavior. Um, and I think that was kind of a challenge because she was the older sister and I'd go to Dotson and they're like, oh, Angela, you're Angela's sister. Oh, yes, I remember. She's great. She's so polite, whatever. And then I come and pretty much ruin the story for them. Uh, and then when we went to high school, I was in eighth grade going to ninth grade and then she was a senior and we both decided to go to Narbonne. She went to Narbonne first and of course I wanted to do everything that she did. So I went to Narbonne also. Um, and so for the first time in a while, we were at the same school together. And I think that was probably the most challenging part of our relationship was when we were both in high school together because she was a senior, she was more mature, she was, you know, she had a, a great smart group of friends that she hung out with. And of course, I was the snotty little freshman that, you know, kind of embarrassed her because I was getting in trouble. And, you know, I thought I was too cool for school. So I think that was probably the most challenging part of our relationship. But after high school, she left for college for six months. And I think after that, we really, we really developed like the, the relationship that we wanted to by choice. That's when we started to really get close with each other was after she graduated high school and she went to college. And all of our conversations from that point on, everything that we talked about or that we did together was always by choice. And when I graduated college, I left for Paris. And one of the best memories I have with her is when she went with me to Paris to drop me off and to help me get situated and to help me find an apartment. And, you know, she, she basically was like a motherly figure. Um, because at the time when I went to Paris, you know, my little sister was 10 years old and my mom was very much busy with raising my little sister. And so Angela kind of stepped into the more motherly role, I guess you can say, and went with me to Paris and just made sure that I was, that I was okay. That when, that before she left Paris, she felt comfortable that I would be okay there, especially having never gone to Europe before in my life, having not known anyone in Paris, um, just kind of showing up with my bags and, she took it upon herself to to be there every day with me and and make sure I was okay. And that time being apart from her for that year that I was in Paris, that's really where our relationship with each other got really close where I would call her regularly through Skype at the time to to talk to her and you know, she would send me care packages, um, movies to watch because I had no TV. So I just, I'd only have my laptop there with a DVD player. So she would send me um, movies, usually musicals like The Sound of Music, um, just to make sure that I, I was okay and, and I wasn't homesick and that I felt comfortable there. So after I got back from 
Paris, I didn't have a job and Angela at the time was working at an advertising agency and she was able to get me a job at the advertising agency, which was great because then we got to work together and it almost felt like we were back in high school, except this time I wasn't embarrassing her. It was, she was actually proud to have me working with her and we were able to have a lot of fun together. You know, we'd take lunch breaks together or go to work events together and it was, it was really fun. And again, all of this was was by choice where you know when we're growing up it's like we had to had to be close or we had to be friends because they just would make it hard otherwise when we were adults and we were working in the at the ad agency together it was it was fun like we were becoming best friends at that time not just sisters but best friends and we would carpool together from San Pedro to Torrance where the advertising agency was and you know we'd talk about anything and everything in those car rides even though it was you know just 20 minutes but that's really where we started to to have a really strong relationship beyond sisters and that's where I really just realized how important and valuable she was in my life where anytime that I was going through something hard she would be the first person that I called. And this was before our mom passed away. And again, my mom was very busy with my little sister because she was starting from scratch with my little sister um, 15 years after me, 18 years after my sister. So Angela really stepped into the motherly, sisterly, best friend role for me. And she was always the first person that I went to. If I had to capture Angela's personality in a single word, I think that word would be rock. Because I think that's what she was to so many people. I think she was just that constant, the person that you could count on if you needed her, the person that would drop anything and everything for you and not complain, not make you feel bad, not make you feel like you owed her anything. And I could, I could always count on her, um, especially having three small kids and a husband who's a firefighter and who's gone, you know, sometimes days at a time and having no one else local here in Huntington Beach to help me out. She would have no problem driving all the way from San Pedro to help me, even if it was sometimes in the middle of the night or late at night or, you know, if I had to take one kid to the hospital and she had to come and sleep here with the other two it was never a question and it was never a problem for her she never minded being there for for me especially after our mom passed away because you know we don't have any family here so she was always the one that the first person that I would go to if I needed help and I could always count on her. And I loved that if I needed someone to be honest and straight up with me, she would be that person. She would have no problems telling me if I was being irrational, which, you know, sometimes was the case if we're talking about like an argument that I had with my husband. She wouldn't 
mind telling me like, yeah, actually, Gina, yeah, you're probably wrong in that case. Or if I had an outfit and I wasn't sure if it looked okay, you know, she would have no problem telling me like, nah, you should probably rethink that. And it was never in a way that was hurtful. I never felt like bad about myself if I asked her for advice and, you know, it was sometimes hard to hear. I knew that whatever came from her, it was the truth and and I trusted everything that she said 100%. She was definitely my voice of reason. If there was any doubt or question in my mind, she's the first person that I would call. I think the event that had the most impact on Angela's life was when she got laid off from the advertising agency where she and I worked. So she had gotten me the job in 2007 and prior to that she'd already been working at the agency for a few years and she and I worked together for a year and a half before I left for another job and it was shortly after I left that the company had to do a bunch of layoffs um, because of what was going on with the economy and um, just business at the time and at the time Angela was working in finance, which, you know, she enjoyed and she had really built a family there working at the agency, a lot of close friends and and family. And although she had been working in finance, she's such a creative person. I think she really enjoyed working at the advertising agency because it was this fun, creative environment that she could be a part of. Even if she was just in the finance department, I think she just be enjoyed being a part of that. And she had just started to kind of get her feet wet in doing more creative projects. She would do this thing where she would stay, you know, after work and kind of work on some like side projects. And she was trying to dip her feet in in a more creative function at the agency and I think it was a blow to her for a few reasons one because she felt like she was finally starting to get more into that creative aspect of advertising where you know maybe she can switch departments and because she again she's such a creative person she has so many great ideas and she's such a great artist that she needed to be doing something creative for sure. Also, she had been really established at the agency and you know she was making decent money. But since she didn't have a bachelor's degree, I think that she felt limited in what she can do after being laid off at the agency because she had financing experience but not a degree in financing and she didn't have a bachelor's degree which she felt like was kind of the the minimum that you had to have in order to to find the job that she wanted and I think that at that time she just felt so established in her career even though it wasn't exactly what she wanted to do but it was in the environment that she wanted to be in 
that it was hard for her to just start over, especially not having that degree. So it was very deflating for her when she got laid off and she was pretty lost. She didn't she didn't know where to go from there. And I think that it really affected her her mental state. And she was down for a really long time. And at the time when she got laid off, you know, my mom was still alive. And my mom was trying to be there to support her and shortly after that my mom passed away in 2010 so it was going from feeling established in a career and being in this fun environment to being laid off and not knowing where to go and not having the degree to then having to deal with the loss of my mom, who was my sister's best friend. You know, she and my mom were really close because my sister still lived at home. And I had moved out when I was 18. And so there was a lot that started with the layoff and continued for a couple years. And after she got laid off, my mom, before she passed away, had told her, you know, how about you just go for a walk and kind of get your mind off things. And when she went on that walk, she was walking through San Pedro and all of a sudden she kind of had this new new set of eyes that she didn't have before. And she started to look at San Pedro not so much as just this place where she lived that she didn't really appreciate and didn't really love. And she started to see beauty in it. And it was that advice from my mom to go take a walk that started her San Pedro block by block initiative where she created a blog and walked every street in San Pedro and blogged about it. And so even though she went from this low of being laid off and kind of not having any direction and then having my mom give her that advice to go take a walk and she went through this blog, it was after that that she started to fall in love with San Pedro. And none of that would have happened if she hadn't been laid off. And so while it was the hardest time in her life, with just kind of like a series of bad events, it's really what made her who she was, where she really got to find her purpose in life. And... I know that, and she said it, that although it was such a hard thing at the time, getting laid off ended up being the best thing that could happen to her. And really, it ended up being the best thing that could happen to San Pedro because it allowed her to literally get in touch with the city that she grew up in 
and to really fall in love with it. What I admire most about Angela is that she never let an obstacle stop her. It might have been enough to slow her down or, you know, give her pause and make her question things or even make her redirect her path entirely. But it was never enough to make her completely stop. She always made sure that she was climbing, that her direction was always up. You know, even if it was sometimes had to take a detour or go down to go up, but her her eyes were always set on doing things that she really wanted to do. And once she made her mind up on something, that was it. And it didn't matter how many no's she had to get to get a yes, she was going to do it. And I love that she lived her life her way. When I gave her eulogy, um, you know, one of the things I compared her to was a Roomba vacuum because that was the image that came to my mind when I thought about her. Like it didn't matter if she hit a wall because she would just redirect herself and you know eventually she would get to a path that was clear and the journey to starting her museum definitely wasn't an easy one you know there were definitely a lot of obstacles but she once she did that San Pedro block by block and she fell in love with San Pedro like she knew she couldn't stop there like there had to be more that she could do and every day she was thinking of new ideas, thinking of new ways to communicate what she learned about San Pedro when she did that blog. You know, she had tours that she gave, which I was very fortunate to have gone on a lot of them. Um, she did studies for different people on their homes, you know, and, and looked up the history of their homes and and did that for them. And she knew that things couldn't stop with just the blog and she had to find a way a big way to communicate all of the the interesting things that she found out about San Pedro during that time when she did the blog it was it was too much of a good thing to to just keep to herself she knew that more people had to find out about it. And so it took a long time for her to, to start up the museum. And it's still a process. We're still trying to get it into a physical space. But she never let anything stand in the way if she knew it's what she really wanted. And I truly, truly admire that about her. She got her degree from Cal State Long Beach when she was 40 years old because she knew that she needed that credibility with having a degree 
in order to start a museum and to for people to really take her seriously as a historian. And so she went back to college, you know, in her adult life um, after so many years because she knew that that was what she had to do and that was important to her. And so I just, I admire that so much about her where so many people would have been like, well, you know, do I really need that degree? And just tried to take the easy way out. She wasn't afraid of a challenge and she wasn't afraid of hearing a no because she knew that eventually it was gonna happen. My favorite memory of Angela was the moment I was most proud of her, which was in February of this year when she interviewed Misty Copeland. And while that in itself is enough to be proud of, I was more proud because she had just been in the hospital and she was in a lot of pain. And I knew that she was in a lot of pain and we weren't even sure if she was going to be able to do the interview because she had just been in the hospital like a couple of days before the interview. And it was getting to the point where I even asked her, you know, do you want me to try to do the interview for you? And she was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I was so proud because it was on Zoom and my family and I were on our way to Big Bear and I was watching and listening on my phone as we were driving. And I knew that she was in pain, but you would have no idea that she was otherwise because during the interview she was so professional and so passionate about her questions and about bringing up things about San Pedro so much so that I was literally in tears as I was watching because I was so proud of her that that meant so much to her to be able to do that that it it didn't matter at all how much pain she was in And it didn't matter what was going on. She was going to make sure that that interview happened. And I can, I even took a screenshot of the moment that Misty Copeland came on because my sister's face just lit up so much, which I hadn't seen because I had just been in the hospital with her. And I wasn't sure if I was going to ever see because of how much pain she was in. And I, I just, I had so much pride in watching her do what she loved and fighting through what was going on in her body. Angela's impact on me has been to show me that it's never too late to do what you love. And if you love it enough to not let anything stop you. I think many of us get comfortable and complacent in our lives, especially the older that we get. And we're afraid to make big changes or big moves. And her life has shown me that it's okay to take those risks and to take those leaps because 
it's better to pursue a passion, even if it's just for a short amount of time, than to live an entire life wondering what if. And her life has really just given me permission to to take risks and to follow my heart and and not be apologetic about it or not allow myself to just kind of get comfortable and not change things if something doesn't feel right. You know, I think especially with death, when someone dies young or suddenly, it just, it, it brings on a new perspective on life and how short things are and how, and what's important to you and what matters in the end. And I think your heart is what matters most and you have to follow that heart. Angela's impact on the San Pedro community is to show the importance of sharing stories, of sharing the stories of all of the people that have come before us that have made San Pedro what it is today. Because that's how we add value, right? That's how we grow to appreciate our town is by knowing what made it what it is today. Because it's not enough for history to just exist in pictures or in books or in boxes, but it has to be shared. Like if you have a a pair of sneakers, right? And you try to show it to someone, oh, it's just a pair of sneakers. But if you say, oh, these sneakers were once worn by Michael Jordan, then all of a sudden those sneakers become more valuable. And I think that's exactly what happens with a town is you tell the story behind the town, it becomes more valuable. And that's what happened with me. You know, before my sister got into history, it was San Pedro and it was just the town that we grew up with. I had no connection to San Pedro besides that. I, I could take it or leave it, to be honest. And it wasn't until I started listening to my sister's tours or her talks and learning about all of the the history and all of the cool things about San Pedro that I started to see San Pedro with new eyes, that I started to really appreciate and assign value to San Pedro. And I think that that's what, what we need to do is, is share all of those stories and all of the, the richness of San Pedro with not just San Pedrans, but the rest of the world too, so that they can see the value. They can see all of the things that went into making our town what it is today. And I think that that's what my sister has tasked us with is telling those stories, is sharing those stories so that history is a living history. It continues to live in San Pedro. And especially with, you know, things changing, everything changing around us all the time is that once a building is torn down and something else goes up, like we have to know what was there before so that we can really appreciate what's come after. Angela's legacy is going to be showing the world who San Pedro is and giving San Pedro a heartbeat. Because prior to Angela, it was just a place. And it wasn't until my sister and sharing all of the richness in history and all of the stories that she's learned about San Pedro that the town really started to have a pulse and people really started to connect with the town that they live in or that they're 
parents before them lived in and their generations before them lived in and to show that there's life. There's so much life in San Pedro and it's not just a place, but it's a person. And it's that emotional connection that she's created between the people and the town that they live in. I want to continue the work that my sister started with the museum she founded, the San Pedro Heritage Museum. Before she passed away, I asked her if it was okay to be put on the board and she was happy and she was glad that I was that I wanted to be a part of that. And one of her big goals was to have a brick and mortar museum where people could go and see the artifacts that she's been collecting for the past 10 plus years and really connect with the history and really learn about the history of San Pedro and hear about the stories and get to see see the physical artifacts of those stories and share with the world all of the beauty and all of the rich history that makes our town so unique. And I think that I really believe that San Pedro is like no other town in San Pedro. There are so many great stories in San Pedro that need to be told so that people can really get to know San Pedro to to really understand what made San Pedro what it is and that will continue to make San Pedro what it will be. And so that's one of our, our major goals right now is to, to make sure that happens, to create a physical space for the museum because right now it's it's just a collection of artifacts that are in storage, kind of just sitting there waiting to be shared. And so we really hope to, in the very near future, create a physical space that people can come and and see and listen to the stories. One of the hard things about having someone you love go through hospice is knowing that your time is limited with them and watching them decline in front of you and not be able to do anything about it. That was really hard on us, especially everything before that was telling us she was going to beat cancer and she was going to be fine and she was convinced of it herself. Everything was leading that way until it wasn't. And it was a pretty quick decline, unfortunately. But one of the beautiful things about it is that we got to have a lot of conversations and talk about her wishes. And one of her wishes was to have her ashes scattered off of Point Furman. So shortly after her funeral, some of us went on a boat and we went off to Point Furman and it was really beautiful. We had some flowers that we threw out as well and It was beautiful knowing that her body was going to be resting off of a point that she loved so much and she would always be a part of, of San Pedro. And the other thing that we talked about was when we received her cancer diagnosis and, you know, it was the pandemic had happened, she decided she wanted to learn French during the pandemic and she taught herself French. I lived in Paris. I took French in college and I felt like I was pretty good in French. But during the pandemic, she was completely committed to teaching herself. She you know, had an app on her phone that she would do every single day, so much so that she became like the top three 
users on the app. And she was really proud of, of how far she had come with her French. And so was I. I think she got to be even better than me. And so one of the things uh, my sisters and I talked about was taking a trip to Paris after she beat cancer. And when it was coming close to the end of her life, my sister Emily and I were talking and we thought it would be nice to still honor that trip that we were supposed to take. And so we told her that we wanted to take still take that trip to Paris after she died and take some of her ashes and spread them in Paris. And so in a few days, Emily and I are going to go to Paris and we booked one of the boat cruises and we have a small urn that we're going to take with us and we're going to release the rest of her ashes in the Seine River. And I think that's that's important for two reasons. One, because we were supposed to take that trip together. And so now we still get to take that trip with her. But also because when I lived in Paris, when I first went to go to Paris, my sister and I spent 10 days together just exploring the city together in this you know new city that I was going to live in that I'd never been to before. And so that became such a a special time for us bonding during that time and that time was has so many memories for me and so for me it's also really important for for me to go back there and reflect on that time that I had with her and remember those times and how important it was that that she was there for me and so I think that uh, it'll be special for for those reasons. And as hard as the trip is going to be, you know, and, and I feel like it's kind of giving a finality, I guess, to to her death and kind of like this is the last the last of her ashes. I think it will still be beautiful to to have that time for Emily and I to really just connect with Angela and and to be there with her and to honor her memory. The last thing I want to say is thank you. There are so many people that have done something, yourself included, to keep Angela's memory alive and that's been so important to me and my family to really know the impact that she's made on so many people and that her memory is going to continue to live on. So I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for loving our sister and for honoring her memory. follow us for more on instagram at hello sp podcast huge thanks to rock ashfield at palm realty boutique for providing us such a gorgeous recording space and thank you to all of our amazing patreon supporters leave us a review and share this episode with your friends neighbors and coworkers. see you next week